Go ahead, Sid, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this Friday edition of Sega City Sports Live in a Living Color on Sports Zone Chicago. Along with Miss Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. And you can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sports Zone Chicago. You can watch this podcast live via Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook. And YouTube pages once again at Sports Zone Chicago on Facebook, live on Facebook, and live on YouTube. And you can follow our audio version of this podcast is simply at War Media. That's on all social media platforms: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WAR Media. And we are also on War on Anchor. Lakina, we have a st- star-studded show t- uh, today, and we're kicking it off with a, a great friend of the program who kicked this program off uh, to start the year. Introduce him to us. Well, he's a college football Hall of Famer from UCLA. He's also a three-time Super Bowl champ for the San Francisco 49ers. And he's a longtime CBS Sports Network college football analyst at Randy Cross FB on Twitter. He is Randy Cross. Randy, how are you? I'm fantastic. Doing really. I mean, how bad can it be? Football is actually, well, it hasn't really started. I, it's you, you always think it's you always think it's, you always think it started once they start practicing. Then they then they play a preseason game and you say, yeah, that's right. It's not really started yet. <laughs> All right, Lita, so, you know, we got a lot to get to with Randy. So, um, Randy, we'll st- we'll do pro first and then get that out the way. Um, do you? We'll start with the with the Bears, of course. Um, do you think Justin Fields will be the starter by, we'll say, week four, or do you think it will be later on in the season, or will he even start at this point this year? Yeah, who knows what that learning curve is? The only ones that really do know that are the guys that are evaluating the tape from practice. Um, you know, I think we've all come to realize sort of what you see in the preseason uh, is pretty vanilla. Um, what people run, you know, everyone, everyone figures they're hiding something like nobody knows what they do. And everybody is very <laughs> familiar with your playbook, but they're still delusional. Um, the only ones that aren't delusional are the rookie quarterbacks because they only know what they know. And, and so far he's getting his head filled pretty good. I think Ryan day and them, um, set him up pretty well as did the folks at Georgia as far as, as far as to be able to assimilate this offense. I would expect him at, at some point, you know, it's, it's kind of a, when you're ready, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, Kind of like in San Francisco, everyone's slobbering over um, Trey Lance. But, you know, I think you'd also look at that situation kind of like Chicago and say, look, we'll get some situations where we can maybe get him in the game and get him some reps um, if possible. But, yeah, I'd say, you know, best case is probably the first month or so of the season. Um, he and He and Lawrence are probably the most – ready to go kind of plug and play guys, I think. And maybe maybe Zach Wilson, but you know, how much of that is the Jets kind of fooling themselves, I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of rookie quarterbacks, Randy, of course all all the top guys made their debuts uh last weekend. In your mind, who had the best performance in limited action last week out of the rookie quarterbacks? Um yeah, I don't know. I, I, I saw three or four of them. Uh 
you know, they all had some spectacular plays, which if you <laughs> look at this, you know, the 50 yarders or the, you know, that spot dimes about 30 yards down the field, you'd go, man, that guy's ready. <laughs> then there's the rest of the plays, which might tell you he's got, they've got something to learn. Um, <laughs> I'll go with the number one pick. You know, I thought Lawrence, especially in the context of the Jags, you know, looked pretty solid. Didn't, didn't look, because that's the guy that, it, it ain't debatable. It hasn't been debatable from the day he stood on that stage. He is the starter for the Jaguars. What about what about Trey Lance over at the 49ers? And a lot of 49ers fans have been clamoring for him to be the starter. So what do you think his chances are of you know being the starter for the season in a very competitive NFC West? Yeah, I mean it's like it's no longer it used to be almost a given if you were gonna start a rookie. You were limiting your win total. But now we've seen several examples where that hasn't necessarily been true. Um, it's it's a matter of what Shanahan <clears throat> and those coaches, how much they want to sort of adjust um, what they want to do to what Trey Lance um, is going to be able to execute. And he's got a, a, an amazing amount of upside, but he's also got a guy that's he's competing with it that's taken a team to a Super Bowl. So people tend to sort of forget about that part with Jimmy G. It's like, ah, he's always hurt. Well, he also did a pretty good job getting to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I, I'm sort of caught in between, to be, to be completely truthful. Um, I'd love to see the kid ready to go, but you know, I've got no problem with Garoppolo starting for as long as he's got to start that makes them a better team that's the number one designation it's you know not who eventually will make them good you've got to start the guy that's got you the best chance to win now because you know nobody's nobody's got contracts that are so long and so guaranteed that they're not susceptible even john gruden now that he's you know four years or so into that big deal Randy Cross, a CBS Sports College Football Analyst, is joining us right here on Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. Sid and Lakina here with you. Randy, let's go to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers and management had the big public riff. Uh, seems like it lasted the entire offseason. Now Aaron Rodgers is back for the 2021 season. Do you think this is his uh, last run in the Green Bay uniform? Yeah, you sure think so. You know, I'll be honest, when all this stuff happened this week, this offseason, I was I was guessing that he wouldn't be around the beautiful environs of Green Bay, Wisconsin. I, 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 thought, he'd be, I thought he'd be in a studio somewhere in Hollywood doing Jeopardy. Um, and mainly because he's got the talent to do it. And the other part of it is because he can. <laughs> what these guys make these days. Uh, you can retire pretty comfortably. But he's got some stuff to do. And I think he's every bit as motivated as he was last year. I mean, they drafted Love to replace him, and he promptly went out and mm -hmm. earned an MVP. They've messed with him all offseason long for God knows what reason. Um, everyone will remember Aaron Rodgers. Um, it may be a trivia question as to who this GM is if you ask the average football fan here in about a 12 to 18 months. Uh I, I don't know. I, I, I will err on the side of Aaron Rodgers. I, I think he's going to have every bit as good a year as he had last year. Jordan Love will be charting plays and watching him. <clears throat> and uh, the Packers have a shot. You know, if you, you put together a top four 
for me, they're in that top four, mm-hmm. at least in the NFC side. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what about the AFC real quick before we go into college? Who do you think? Is it, is it the Chiefs and everybody else, or are there any sleepers that you feel like can challenge them in the AFC? Yeah, yeah. I don't know about sleepers. Um, I'd say the whole AFC North is pretty dangerous, you know, depending on how much Cincinnati and Burrow, how, how much better they get, because, you know, Cleveland's going to be pretty good. You know, Ben and the Steelers are going to be pretty good. Um, they've done a really nice job, I think all of them, of improving. And it's going to be a – it'll be a good old days. Remember back in the old days of the, the central divisions, especially mm-hmm. that AFC Central yeah. where yes. you know, everybody finished 10-6 <laughs> or everybody finished 9-7. and seven or finished, It's going to be one of those years, I think, for them. But it's, it's, it's Kansas City and I think the Chargers will give them a pretty good run as may the Raiders, um, but Buffalo and Baltimore are right there, you know, outside of that West, um, especially Buffalo, because they've got the one thing that's hard to allow for, and that's a young quarterback who keeps getting better, as Mahomes has. But, you know, Allen has improved almost every snap, it seems like, but at least every game. And if he keeps on that sort of curve, He's going to make Buffalo, you know, he gives them a chance to get back to where they, they were last year and gives them a chance to get over that hump and get into the big one. Uh, yesterday, Randy, we had the Chargers and the Rams with a joint practice. And, of course, head coach uh, John Gruden of the Raiders called out the practice early to get his team off the field because of a couple of scrimmages. Of course, we heard what happened with the New York Giants a couple of weeks ago. Their quarterback, Daniel Jones, got underneath the pile. How did that happen? I don't know. But uh, you, you, of course, you're a former player. You've been through the wars. And, of course, when training camps were actually training camps, they monetized it ever since, thanks to the collective bargaining agreement. But what do you think about these joint practices? And, and it seems like when you guys played, it wasn't uh, as much um, – operating on the side of quote-unquote caution and fear. Uh, what do you think about the way these uh, way the league is handling training camps today uh, compared to when you played? Well, I think they've got to do it. I mean, when I first started my rookie year, we had six preseason games. And <laughs> we had a month. That's one month, four weekends of uh, training camp before we went to the first four preseason games. Wow. So – yeah, it was a little different. Um, I, I think the the combined practices like you're seeing, it's necessary because the preseason games are worthless, basically. But you can get reps in a practice you can't get in a game. Uh, you can run stuff in a practice you can't run in a game. Uh, I think it's invaluable to these teams, especially now. You know, with a 17 regular and three pre, soon to be 18 regular and two pre, um, eventually just 20 games with a month of these combined practices between teams. I, I think they're a great idea. The problem is they're at the time of the year and when it comes to training camp, everybody's testy. Everybody's edgy. You're tired, you're sore, you're miserable. And suddenly you got somebody that you don't know that's doing stuff that you're not used to. And they're trying to make a team and they're trying to make, get the eye of their coaches. And that's just a fight waiting to happen. So, you know, the coaches, the assistant coaches, everybody's got to be on high alert during these things. 
Yeah, very scrappy indeed. So let's let's switch over to college for a second. So this is what you've been doing these last, I think, what, 15, 20 years. Alabama, big shock, shockers, number one in the AP poll. O- OU, Clemson, and Ohio State, so those are your top mm-hmm. four. Do you think that will be the top four once we finish the season? Um, well, all, all indications would be that would be sort of the top four teams that should, you know, sort of come out at the beginning unless somebody in the Pac-12 suddenly, you know, kind of loses their mind and starts playing really, really well. Um, you know, it, there's a reason that wire-to-wire champs only happen twice out of the AP poll. You know, that's only happened two times. Those are two pretty amazing teams. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not a kiss of death, but, you know, Alabama's got some stuff to live up to. And it's all basically because they're or, or really up to the quarterback, Bryce Young, that if he can play a, as advertised and no reason to think that, you know, Tua and, and Mac and, and whatnot haven't sort of passed stuff along to him as to how to handle this pressure, uh, they could be everybody as good as they're ranked. They could be the best team in the country, as could, you know, Clemson with a guy that's got some starting experience at quarterback, um, that's got a really good defense, that's really, really talented. Ohio State, if I was to, for me, I'd be tempted to kind of rank either Ohio State or Oklahoma above Alabama or Clemson right now. I just think. From a from a pure talent standpoint, they're there, and maybe Oklahoma because of Spencer Rattler will have a little bit of an advantage with the experience. One thing that you know Ohio State won't have a quarterback. Randy Cross, friend of the show and CBS Sports analyst for college football, is joining us here live on Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. Sid and Lakina here with you, Randy. You, know, you kind of uh, d- dove into my next question, but I'll ask it anyway. Bringing up Spencer Rattler. Also, you have J.T. Daniels and Bryce Young as one of the other top names that are contenders for the Heisman Trophy this year. Uh, if you have a dark horse player uh, who should be on that top five list for the Heisman Trophy, who would it be and why? Um, you know, I don't know. How about anybody that's not a quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I, I, loved, I loved Devontae Smith winning it last year uh, and basically making them give him the trophy. Uh, you know, I, I would still consider – there's a lot of questions as to – you know, what could happen? Rattler's got the experience, so you've got to really like what he's doing. JT Daniels has got some experience, but, you know, will those coaches at at uh, Georgia kind of get out of his way? Because they're used to having a game manager. They're used mm-hmm. to having, like, a scrappy little guy that'll, that'll do what he needs to do and will basically execute the game plan. JT Daniels has the ability to be back there and just spinning the, the devil out of it and throwing that thing all over the field. And I'll be interested to see how those coaches sort of fit him into the game plans and let him do it. Uh, I, you know, Uwe Ungalale has got a really good chance, I think, once he starts playing and people see a guy at 6'5", 240 playing, a, you know, bringing the term power quarterback uh, into a more mm-hmm. of a vernacular. We won't see anybody on the defensive side. Uh, that's a fact. We may see a, a running back, you know, like my, like my guy Bryce out of uh, Iowa State will make a lot of noise. Uh, but 
Yeah, it, reality is it's going to probably go back to the old quarterback grind. What about your alma mater, UCLA? Is there a lot expected for them in the Pac-12 this year? Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure how much is expected. I think people expect them to be better. Um, God, I got to think with as much as they're playing, they're paying chip and it's been a few years now that sort of the power that be and the power that bees didn't hire him, which is important. Um, yeah, I think he's got to win about eight games this year. I don't think they got to win about eight games. There's, you look at the, it's the best stadium in the country. You know, I'm sorry, it's just is. It's an unbelievable location. <laughs> it's beautiful. Everything else. Um, they need a team that's commiserate with their playing conditions, and that's that's up to the recruiting world. And the reality is, in the recruiting world, my Bruins have been just okay, but they've gotten much better at the line of scrimmage. And I hope I hope that's going to serve them well enough to get them to that eight win or so level. Randy, speaking of West Coast football, of course, uh, Oklahoma and Texas looks like they're going to join the ACC in the next uh, coming few years in short order. And both those schools can't get out of the the Big 12 fast enough. But there's talks about the Pac-12 and the Big 12 or the Pac-12 and the Big 10 forming a a super conference because, uh, like you mentioned earlier with the NFL, it looks like we're going to have an expansion of the college football playoff in the next few years, whether it's a probably a 12-team playoff. Uh, what do you think about the changing of, of the guard in, in college football in terms of these conferences? Well, it's, it's coming. You know, they're now talking about some sort of an alliance together, the ACC, the Big Ten, mm-hmm. uh, the Big 12, and the Pac-12. Um, you know what I would love to see? And I've got no problems with Texas and Oklahoma, you know, grabbing money and doing what they got to do because that's where the game's going right now whether it's NIL or everything about it, it's, it's going to the, to the bucks and that TV deal is going to be redone here pretty quick. Um, so that's going to be even more money. I would love to have them to go to the European model, the, um, the model of, okay, here are the top, let's say 60 teams in the country. They are going to play in these five 12 team conferences. Everybody else is relegated. Everybody else is a minor player in the game. And every year that status will be reviewed. So it brings into the, the specter that, uh, like in, in European soccer, the, the relegation, where you can go from the major premier league to suddenly not. And that would shock a lot of people. But the reality is you go through the conferences. You, know, you can name three or four teams in every big conference that – probably won't win it and maybe don't really, you know, in football at least, deserve to be in a major conference. Hmm. That sounds like a pretty cool idea. Wrapping things up here with CBS Sports Network's Randy Cross here on Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. Now, Randy, we'll be remiss to say that, you know, our thoughts and go go to you. You know, you lost your coach, longtime UCLA college football coach, Terry Dowdy, who passed away uh, about a little over a month back. You actually shared a story on Twitter about how he recruited you, and it was kind of like by sort of like by happenstance. Tell tell our audience about that. Yeah, well, I, as I've I would say not gotten older, as I've matured, um, <laughs> I've come to realize when it comes to recruiting, there's not much happenstance. Nobody happens to bump into anybody. 
Um, most of it is pretty calculated. But, but Terry Donahue played on the 66 Rose Bowl team for UCLA that beat Michigan State, who was the number one team in the country back when they had Duffy Doherty and Bubba Smith and Jimmy Ray and all those guys. I mean, some great, a truly great college football team. They upset them in the Rose Bowl. Well, Terry Donahue was the defensive tackle on that team. The other defensive tackle was Steve Butler. That was my head football coach in high school. Mo Friedman was my offensive line coach. He was the starting center. And Joe Hollingsworth was the backup to Gary Beban. So that was kind of the connection. So Terry was coming in. He was at Kansas at the time, my sophomore year, um, during spring practice. He was coming in to see Steve and Mo and, and uh, Joe. And, you know, I happened to meet him then. And, you know, Steve, my, Steve Butler, the head coach, introduced me to him. And I was a shot putter in high school, too. I was pretty good. And they had just, Kansas had just had some world-class guys throwing the shot put that actually also played a little football. So, you know, he was kind of selling that whole idea of, hey, you, know, you can come to Kansas and throw the shot on a great track team and play football, um, which had zero really. I mean, I liked their track, but the football was not real good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and like a couple months later, or maybe even less than that, he's a uh, he's coaching at UCLA. Pepper Rogers, who was the coach at Kansas, takes the job at UCLA. So, uh-huh. yeah, it was, it's it's all kind of connected one way or the other. <laughs> so, you got any more questions? <laughs> last question. Yeah, last question from me, Randy. Of course, uh, now that we're in the middle of the preseason for the NFL. Of course, across all four major sports, we hear rookie stories about rookie hazing. In particular, the NFL, it gets kind of crazy. I know it was kind of crazy when you play. I know they kind of tamed down on some of that stuff. Now, of course, rookies had to buy the newspaper for the veterans, wash their cars, get taped to the goalposts, seeing their college fights all in front of everybody in front of a team meeting or in front of a cafeteria. Mm-hmm. What was some of your uh, rookie hazing duties uh, during your playing days? <laughs> well, I, I, was an, I was the first pick that year. So, um, I got kind of special treatment. They, they gave me a little bit of everything. First road trip, I had to wear this, um, like bucket that had a face mask on it and a chin strap. And it was painted like a Niner helmet. I had to wear it on the plane to the game and back from the game. <laughs> that was interesting uh you know but in 1979 bill walsh came to the niners and a mo- one of the many 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 things that bill was light years ahead of everybody else was in eliminating that whole hazing idea and he basically said in training camp that first year he was there he goes look you're all 49 so i want you we're going to treat you the same we're going to treat everybody like they're on this team until you're not. So that includes, we're not going to haze rookies. We're not going to do any of that stuff. So I was, I played, you know, 10 of my 13 years in an environment where that really wasn't something that was a factor. So we were really unusual in that regard, because I don't think the real hazing truly died in the NFL until, you know, maybe a decade or so ago when everybody else kind of figured out it wasn't a good thing to, let people mess with the guys they're giving all that money to. Yeah. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. And, 
Oh gosh, yo, this is so much fun, Randy at Randy Cross FB on Twitter. Where can people check you out this fall on C on the CBS Network? CBS well, we'll be uh, inside sport, inside college football. Uh, we'll be on Tuesday nights uh, as it has been for God a long time. Uh, I've been on that now for about twelve years with uh, Adam Zucker, Rick Neuheisel, and um, Aaron Taylor and Brian Jones. Uh, same consistent group. Uh, and then on the weekends, I'll be doing games uh, and I'll do all the Navy home games. I'll do a mix of some American, uh, some Mountain West. It's I love it. it. It keeps you close to the game and it's uh, it's a fantastic thing to get to do. It's kind of like a, a yearly fantasy camp as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, you do great work as always, Randy. We got to do this again soon. Thank you so much for joining us here on Second City Sports. And you, you, you guys stay safe and uh, we'll, you know, check you out all college football season. I like it. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, guys. Hey, thank you, sir. Talk thank to you, you later. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Once again, oh, that was Randy Cross of CBS Sports Network. He said college football ends. Lakina, since we have a couple of minutes before you hit our break for the bottom of the hour, uh, I was going to ask him, but we'll, like you said, we'll get him back in the future, but I, I was watching some stuff through uh, on YouTube earlier this week. Of course, I remember him obviously as a broadcaster with NBC and CBS. Uh, I was going to ask him because he worked with uh, some of the greats as far as play-by-play, man, the late great Dick Emberg and yeah. Vern Lundquist, who was the voice of the Dallas Cowboys before he did network stuff for both the NBA and the NFL. I was going to ask what was their broadcasting styles? How, how was that like work with both of them? Like I said, we'll get him back uh, yeah. for uh, well, so he could tell that story. But I was thinking about watching some of the uh, old 49ers films that like, <laughs> I did remember. I did remember him playing, but after I found that when he was doing broadcasting, he, he brought up that he played for the 49ers during the 80s. You know, those scenes were were not to be messed with. We talk about the exactly. 85 Bears. We talk about uh, mm-hmm. the, Washington, the now Washington football team who snuck in a couple of Super Bowls during that decade. That should have been the Bears, but that's a whole other topic. But, <laughs> those 40, but those 49ers teams, of course, they uh, the offense got the credit, and rightfully so. But it was their defense, and especially the now Hall of Famer Charles Haley. Yes. Uh, you did not want to mess with that 49ers defense, and that defense did not get enough credit, along with the offensive of line. They didn't. Uh, they, those two units for that uh, for those 49ers teams back in the days, they don't get enough credit, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and I think those remember remember Randy was a part was on the O line for those teams. So exactly, you know, I think he, he'll be he'll be the first to tell you that you know that defense probably should have gotten more of their due. But you know, understandably, so you you know you had you know Joe Montana, you know Randy, mm-hmm. you know John Taylor, and eventually Jerry Rice. You know he would join in a mm-hmm. few years later for those you know last couple of Super mm-hmm. Bowls for San Fran, but. Yeah, I feel like those 80s, like those 80s, because, you know, football was so different back then. Those 80s 49ers teams just really didn't kind of get their due, sort of, it feels like. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of thought it was an afterthought now. Of course, you've got the, you know, the Patriots and, you know, what Dallas did, you know, in the 90s. So I kind of feel like, you know, those 49ers teams were kind of like forgotten about. I'm sure if you ask Randy, I'm sure he'll feel the same way. Yes, yeah, I'm sure he will as well. As bomb by the hour, we had to take a, a a pause for the calls. When we return, we'll give you our thoughts about where we're looking forward to in tomorrow's preseason game for the Chicago Bears as they take on Mitch Trubisky in the Buffalo Bills at the lakefront, and we'll get into some baseball as well. I have a question for you, White Sox fans. So stay tuned for that. 
I'm Sydney Brown along with McKinnon McGee. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. All right, sorry about that, folks. I guess you know the the, the rest of the breaks are, you know, technical difficulties here, but it's okay. You know, we're we're back. Both second, both by second, see sports from on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Sydney Brown. I'm Lakeena McGee. Once again, thank you so much to CBS Sports Network's Randy Cross for joining us today. We'll definitely get him, have him back on. But Sid, you wanted to go to the Diamond, or oh, no, we'll do um, we'll do in Bears, right? Because we're doing the Bears are playing Buffalo and the preseason, yeah. and we're going to be seeing a lot of Mitch tonight. <laughs> You know, since Josh well, Allen won't play. Well, tomorrow, yeah, and well, because Josh Allen won't be playing. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to see what what he does. I'm sure you know some Buffalo fans are going to say, well, they're going to regret, you know, not picking him, but for for the Bears not not <laughs> keeping him. But uh, what do you think? What's it you're expecting from the from this preseason game? Uh, I'm glad I didn't listen to much of Chicago sports radio this week because I know that's the number one storyline. Will Bears fans boo Mitch Trubisky? Uh, how much will Mitch Trubisky play? Will he play the majority of the first half? Will he be? Will he play three quarters of the game? And will he do anything special to show up Bears fans? Uh, I was just um, uh, I'm I'm glad they had to go through that garbage. I'm sure there was some silliness on both sports stations this week regarding a meaningless preseason game. I get it that Mitch Trubisky is playing here in Chicago for the first time since he was let go. But I'm focusing more on Justin Fields. I know he was supposed to practice with the ones this week. I know he is supposed he said I practiced the other day. I know he's supposed to play tomorrow. But here's what I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game uh, with the Bears. One, the offensive line play. I know rookie uh, – uh, the rookie tackle Tevin Jenkins is probably out for the year with that back surgery after, after it was announced he was going to have surgery uh, earlier this week. I want to see how the offensive line uh, protects Justin Fields. And for Justin Fields, I want to see if this goes back to head coach Matt Nagy, which I, I said last week. Um, 
even though it's preseason, you're, I'm, you're, you're going to play against the ones just a little bit more since we had three preseason games this year. The second preseason game was like for some teams will be used as like the third preseason game traditionally in the past. So I want to see if head coach Matt Nagy will open up the playbook a little bit more for Justin Fields. I want to see how he has his arm strength. We saw it on the bus to play last week on that touchdown pass to Jesse James. Well, Matt, Matt Nagy opened up the playbook a little bit more. Of course, you, you don't want to show what you're going to do against the Rams uh, on opening night, which is probably three weeks away. And so you're going to keep things basic. But I want to see how Justin Fields reads the defense. Uh, number one, uh, I'm sure most of the ones are going to play for Buffalo on the defensive side. I want to see how he reads the defenses quickly. If coverage breaks down, what, uh, can he read it quickly? Does he know what to do? And I just want to see that arm strength. And it, uh, I'm not saying he should throw the ball up 40 times a game. He's, he's Kurt Warner. No, I just want to see more of a mix of play calling. And let's see if uh, Fields can execute those plans. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how much, you because know, Buffalo's defense is actually pretty decent. So I'm wondering, mm-hmm. like, will, will you see a lot of their starters? meal tomorrow and you know because this is sort of like the second this sort of tree like kind of like i guess you know maybe maybe the third preseason preseason game usually like treated as the fourth preseason game but it looks like the second preseason game is being treated as such so it's sort of confusing how it all works but uh you know i'm i'm kind of wondering okay like you know is he gonna see sort of the same thing i know he's been kind of banged up with the the growing injury it looks like you know he was back at practice yesterday i think he's practicing Mm -hmm. today too so i'm kind of looking to see like Okay, you know, let's see if they can. She can try to do this against sort of like one of the top defenses in the league last year. So in the Buffalo, kind of like they were like in the top ten or twelve. So, but like I said, I doubt they're going to be seeing a lot of them, you know, tomorrow. But you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm looking forward to see what what they do here with the. We'll see how they do with the Bills tomorrow. Of course, the game is on at noon tomorrow on Fox 32. Adam and me and Jim Miller will be on the call for the Chicago Bears television network. McKenna, let's. Uh, Wrap up with the Bears, and by by I'll say this: wrapping up with the Bears. I also want to see the uh, the running game. Whoever's in there, I'm sure you, we're going to see a little bit more of Damian Williams. I'm sure maybe a little bit more of David Montgomery. I'm not sure, but Khalil Herbert. I want to see what this kid is made of. And I know we got to see glimpses and flashes last week. Let's see if Matt Nagy gives him some more plays to to show his talent. Also, number two, special teams. We talked about it last week with Lakina, two fumbles. That's mm-hmm. not that's not acceptable. I know it's a dress rehearsal. I don't want to go overboard with that, but they don't clean up that part of the game. Uh, it's going to be a long season for the Bears. I know Sherrick McManus and Cordell Patterson is not here anymore. They're both not here anymore as far as the return game is concerned. I want to see who's going to step up to uh, take those kickoff and punt returns. And please just keep two hands on the ball. Keep two hands on the ball. That's all I want you. <laughs> well, I also want to see. If we can do that, that'll be a small step in the right direction. <laughs> well, I mean, I also want to see if Alec Ogletree can uh, can play and then special teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that's probably like the the need more bodies there, right? So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what what happens um, there. So what what else are you kind of expecting? Because I, I think, like I said, I don't think we're going to expect much. I don't think Dalton's mm-hmm. going to play very much. I don't think a lot of the top tier guys are going to play too much. We know that the the Bills are going to play their guys a lot, so you know it's going to be one mm-hmm. of those you know those preseason games where like you're just going to maybe see like some of the top round guys and maybe guys that are vying for fighting for those last few spots in the roster. So I'm not really mm-hmm. expecting too much. Like I said, I'm looking forward if Mr. Fields can improve from last week to this week. It all depends on the head coach 
in the offensive coordinator. Uh, will they open up the playbook a little bit more for Mr. Fields? And I want to see a little bit more from the running game, especially Khalil Herbert, uh, if he, he can show what he could do. And once again, it goes goes with the head coaches. First, will they draw the place to call his number? We'll see in the special teams. Uh, the return game has to improve. I, I'm not expecting a big return. That'll be nice. But if you just keep two hands on the ball, I know. <laughs> keep two hands on the ball and don't turn over. It's a small step in the right direction. You're listening mm-hmm. to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Kenny McGee and Cindy Brown. If you want to post your comments uh, via our Facebook and YouTube channels, you can do so at Sports Zone Chicago. Once again, at Sports Zone Chicago via our Facebook and YouTube pages, post your comments up. Lakina will get them on the air for you. What do you expect from the Bears in a preseason tomorrow against the Bills? What, what do you expect Mitchell Trubisky to do? Do you think he's going to have a good game? Do you think he's going to come out ready for revenge to show show up the Bears, to show up the fans and say, hey, you, know, you guys didn't give me a chance. You don't love me like that. I'm going to stick it to you. <laughs> do you expect that tomorrow? Do you expect the Bears to – just go vanilla about their business or get get after your business. That could happen too. But like you said, Lakina, it's preseason, so I don't expect too much to happen in terms of thing, going after Trubisky. Do you the only thing I'm looking forward to seeing is that are people gonna boo him? Are the folks at Soulville gonna boo no, him? Some folks will. You know some yeah, folks mean, will. <laughs> well yeah, I see Tariq just Cohen because, just tweeted. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, think, I see Tariq Cohen just tweeted a half hour ago. If you boom Mitch tomorrow, you a lame and a weirdo. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're gonna be maybe some pictures, some mixture, maybe you know, cheers and boos. But you know, people mm-hmm. are gonna boo regardless. So I don't think you know, folks shouldn't you know expect really like to not that to happen because the fact that he did underachieve here and you know some will say he was mm-hmm. set to fail and i and i get it you know, some people a lot of bears fans feel that way but i'm not like gonna freak out if you know they boo like this is at least they'll just be nice and cordial about it uh before we move on to baseball uh any other preseason games you're looking forward to tonight tomorrow uh, i think there's a couple on sunday i'll start off uh the chiefs and the Cardinals, they play tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Patrick Mahomes should play most of the first half of Kansas City. He only played the series last week uh, in, in their win over the 49ers. Of course, Kyler Murray will make his preseason debut tonight uh, at home uh, for, for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they have a uh, big expectations are for them this year. Of course, they picked up J.J. Watt uh, mm-hmm. from Houston. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald retired. So I, I, I'm looking forward to – I'm assuming that, that Kyler Murray is going to play the majority of the first half as well. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this tonight, Lakina. It's just, uh, as we said before, uh, since there's three preseason games this year, you're, you're going to see most of the starters in there for the majority of the first half. I don't know. Uh, maybe a couple of teams will extend it into the third quarter. But mm-hmm. – uh, uh, it's just just play it safe, get them out of there healthy. That's what this is all about. Yeah, I think that's going to be the thing, too. Um, Jackson Packers, I got some bad news today. One of their top free acquisitions, Carl Lawson, you know, he's done for the year with uh, the Achilles mm-hmm. injury. So that's a big loss for the Jets. And, you know, some people thought that maybe the Jets might, they're not, and I'm not saying like win the AFC East, but they thought that maybe they're going to mm-hmm. make a breakthrough with the new coaching staff and whatnot. So that's a tough. Tough break for them. Um, uh, I mean, there's really, I mean, maybe Tennessee and Tampa Bay, but like I said, it's going to be just, but, you know, Bruce Arians already mm-hmm. said that Tom Brady is not going to play 
So that's so that's really like you it's know just practice, bit, just practice. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's all basically all he said. It's just practice. Um, um, let's see, Indianapolis and Minnesota. That should that'll be interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Vegas and the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. That that might be pretty good. Um, Denver. Well, and we'll Seattle. see how the Raiders respond. Uh, yeah. at the the the, uh, the fight yesterday in practice, which ended practice early. Good grief! Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that was that was crazy. <laughs> That's all <laughs> Raiders, right? <laughs> yeah. Shh. Don't 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 tell anyone. Don't don't tell uh, Coach Green that. <laughs> uh, Giants, Giants and Browns. That should be an interesting one there. Uh, San Fran and the Los Angeles Chargers. Um. Jacksonville and New Orleans. You got Houston and Dallas, um, Detroit and Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore and Carolina, Atlanta and Miami. Plus, we said Jets and uh, Green Bay. And you got a couple of interesting ones tonight. You got, you know, like you said, you know, Casey and Arizona, and also to Cincy and Washington. So that that should be some interesting preseason games like i said i think it's so i think it's sort of weird how it you know sort of manifests mm -hmm. like you got some some games we're going to see maybe csrs play most of the first half but then in other cases you're going to see the star is going to sit so it really depends on yeah. which game you, you watch tomorrow yeah i'll say this about the packers who are they playing because i don't have the schedule in front of me i'm the using jets. a different device the, today. Jets. the, jets. the jets okay yes. let's see if zach wilson plays i'm sure he will if he does will he play the majority of the first half of course, Aaron Rodgers is not going to play for the Packers for this preseason. I want to see how Jordan Love improves from last week until uh, to this week. So that, I think that's a bigger game than what people make it out of. Of course, it's not the Super Bowl. We know that. But I want to see how both those uh, quarterbacks, of course, Zach Wilson, the rookie, and Jordan Love, the second-year guy at Utah State. I want to see how both those young guys play. Because you never know. Both are, both are one. Well, Zach Wilson is the quarterback of the future for the Jets, but if you're Jordan Love, heaven <laughs> forbid Aaron Rodgers goes down, you, know, you got to be ready for your number to be called. Absolutely. All right. So let's go to the diamond real quick, Sid. Um, you listen to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Sydney Brown. I am Lakina McGee, switching gears here to go on the diamond. Um, the White Sox had a nice week, you know, one in three out of four against Oakland. Um, you know, extending their lead, you know, I think their magic number is like, what, 30 right now? I know we're already doing, yeah. we're already doing magic numbers now for, <laughs> you know, for clutching in the playoffs. But what do you think about the series? I mean, they lost, they lost a tough one yesterday, but look, they won mm -hmm. the series against a really good Oakland team. So what's your synopsis of the series? We told you guys this on Monday. This was, uh, in my opinion, in our opinion, the most important series of the year. Uh, you, uh, of course, the records against uh, 500 teams uh, was subpar. Of course, I believe they're at 501 game over. I'm not sure. But I know Chuck Garfine of NBC Sports Chicago, the pre and post game host from the White Sox there, uh, tweeted out earlier this week that uh, most of the teams that won the World Series over the past decade or so, uh, their records against uh, 500 teams were not that great. And the White Sox are in that pattern. But it was important to say three out of four from Oakland. As I mentioned, Lakeena, if Oakland got in, there would be trouble for the White Sox. Now, if you're Chicago, you're going on the road starting tonight to face Tampa Bay, which which team, which one of the teams that you could see in the playoffs, I think they could be more dangerous against the Sox because you have uh, your nemesis, Nelson Cruz, who was traded from Minnesota to Tampa Bay. Uh, he's doing a good job. I know he's struggled here lately, but uh, he's always been in the thorn in the White Sox side over the last few years. I know the uh -huh. Sox haven't been good until – 
uh, the last couple of years. But uh, Tampa, I know they lost Tyler Glass now, they star yeah. pitcher, but they still they they they're still still keeping it together. Give uh, manager Kevin Cash credit for that. And uh, Tampa, they have something to play for as well because we'll get into the rest of the baseball in just a moment. But the the AL East division race has just gotten tighter. We'll tell you why in just a second. But if back to the White Sox side of it. Uh, it was important to take three out of four from Oakland. It gives you confidence that you can beat winning teams, the teams that are in the hunt for the playoffs, and you could, could you hopefully continue to carry that momentum into this weekend series against Tampa, which I think is even more important now. You have Giolito going tonight. You have Dallas Keuchel starting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Of course, Ronaldo Lopez, who pitched great in his last start uh, last week. Uh, uh, he's going on the bump on Sunday for the White Sox. So, it, the matchups, uh, or at least on the pitching side, uh, lines up pretty well for the White Sox. And so let's yeah. just, let's just see if the White Sox can match. Hopefully, good start with the good starting pitching match that with a good consistent offense. Because uh, the as we said before, these are the dog days of summer. We're really right in the middle of this month already, and the White Sox are uh, at five hundred sixty All Star break, and. Yeah, we pretty much said, Lakina, we expected this. Just play at 500 or slightly above 500, you should be fine. You get some of your key guys back. Luis Robert, we had a two RBI game the other night. His bat is starting to come around now. He hasn't lost it out in the outfield. Eloy Jimenez, he still has a gift here and there in the outfield, mm-hmm. but he's is covering up with oh, his bat fun. right now. So, so uh, he's doing his thing offensively. Uh, Tim Anderson, I know he had the day off yesterday, but he, he's been on fire, so uh, I, I kind of like the, uh, where the White Sox is going, going right now. Hopefully you take two out of three from Tampa. If you get swept, it's not the end of the world, but it'll, it'll, it will put some doubt in your mind yeah. before you, you play Toronto for four games starting uh, on Monday. So uh, this, this road trip is very important. Uh, if you can at least get three or four wins realistically uh, in the seven-game road trip, that's going to be pretty successful. Obviously, more than four wins will be great. But realistically, yes. if you come out of this world trip with a four and three record, you should be pretty happy if you're a Sox fan. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lance Lynn has been sort of, you know, Lance Lynn, of course. You know, he's a little, you know, he's definitely a bulldog out there on the on the field. Early Free this weekend. Britney. Sorry. I know. Uh, well, yeah. well, yeah, like a sticky, sticky substance, if you will, that's out there. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's very interesting here. But, uh, you know, like you said, so I think if you get, if you win, you know, if you go four and three in this road trip, I think you got to be, you know, you got to feel good about yourself. You're the White Sox, right? And, and like, I, I kind of feel like there's this, you know, I don't think there's a sense of, of urgency, but I kind of feel like they, you know, the White Sox are kind of in prove it mode. I think they, I think they may realize mm-hmm. that folks are still, even some of their old fans are serious thinking that, you know what, maybe it'll be a little more, you know, you know, we'll, maybe we'll believe in this team more if we, they be some of the top teams. They won, they won three out of four against mm-hmm. a really good Oakland team. We'll see how they do it against, you know, Tampa. We'll talk about them in a second. Like you said, Sid, you know, they got, got mm-hmm. four against Toronto. They've had their struggles, but that's like young, young, gritty team, kind of similar to the White Sox in a lot of ways. Only they have the yes. you know, better pitching, but you know, but they're going to get a fight for them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to these these games because it's gonna it's gonna be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. Look, like you said, so if they if they do terribly, then it's not it's not you know not nothing to freak out about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, for confidence wise, I think you want to have have a good road record. You know, going into the, you know, those last you know three series you know, with against the Cubs starting next week and so next week. Yeah, you just. 
Yeah, you you just summed it up, Lakina. It's, it's our mansion number on this show is four. If you can win four out of the seven games on this road trip, uh, of course, it's starting tonight in Tampa. That's a successful road trip. If you get swept by either of these teams, it's going to be a problem. It's not the end of the world, but like I say, it puts down in your minds of if the Sox could be a, 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 a good playoff contending team come October. But uh, for the, for me, for the White Sox, I need Dallas Keigel to step up. He's going tomorrow. Uh, Dylan C's had a I, as the kids would say, start yesterday, even though the White Sox were still in it. I want to see him improve. Dallas Kygo, I want to see him improve as well. Ronaldo Lopez was going on the bump on Sunday. I want to see if he can continue it because in his last start against Oakland, he, he was tremendous. And remember, Lakina wanted the White Sox to train him right before the shutdown yes. last <laughs> you did. year. You did. <laughs> uh, the White Sox right now, they're the smartest people, more smart than we are. So, uh, and of course, Lopez has been pitching out of the bullpen the last few weeks. And now uh, he, he's uh, in the starter's role for right now. The, the, of course, uh, Rick Hahn and manager Tony LaRusso mm-hmm. wants to see what Lopez has left. And he's it looks like he has a lot, a whole lot left. Up. So very important games this weekend for the White Sox. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sidney Browns. We talk about the rest, the best and worst of Major League Baseball from this past week. Lakina, let's start with the AL East race. <laughs> the Boston Red Sox in um, Toronto, they still continue to struggle. I know the White Sox play the next week, but uh, the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees, the Yankees starting to get some guys back. Uh, Garrett Cole pitched a great game on Monday in their makeup game mm-hmm. against the Anaheim Angels. Uh, Andy Rizzo is supposed to be back this weekend. He was in a dugout in that game against Minnesota last night. The Red Sox got swept by the Yankees earlier this week. I told you, Lakina, all season, Boston has a great offense, and that's why they had the lead in the AL East. I know they got Eduardo Rodriguez. I know Chris Sale is back. He made his season debut last week. I know they had Nathan Evaldi, but I told you I don't like their starting pitching. <laughs> you saw what happened earlier this week at Yankee Stadium. Need I say <laughs> I more? Mean- yeah, no, no, I mean, you, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say, well, look, you, you, you said this. You've been on this all year that you know those, you know, the the Red Sox pitching is sort of like been the thing that's gonna keep them from going to the promised land, and that's mm-hmm. what's happening right now. You, you know, they won, you know, they lost three in a row. Um, you know, they're kind of in free fall right now. Can they get back up? I think only time will tell, but it's gonna be tough. Uh, but on the flip side, though, the Yankees, they've won seven in a row and, you know, they're kind of like, you know, creeping up there as of, you know, as of you know mm-hmm. right now, as of this, you know, this recording of the show, they're five back of Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know, they still got to play Tampa. So could they perhaps maybe make a move and win that division? I'm not saying that they will, but, you know, right now mm-hmm. it looks like they're, you know, they're kind of like knocking on the door, if you will. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Also, too, the Houston Astros struggling at Kansas City this week. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I uh, said before winning a game, their uh, series finale on Thursday. Of course, Oakland does the same thing and lose the three games here in Chicago before winning their series finale yesterday. So those two teams are still going to battle it out for the AL West title. Uh, as I told you guys, Houston, I give them their respect, but I just don't trust them. I know White Sox fans are worried about that team. I get it. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but isn't they now? In my opinion, they're not all cracked up as they as they are. Maybe I'm not giving Houston enough credit. I give them their respect, but I'm not fearing them all. So, but I think at the end, this will be a bump in the road uh, for the Houston Astros. Of course, the AL Central need I see more White Sox 
ahead of 11 and a half games over the Cleveland Indians and 13 and a half over those cheating ass AJ Hitch Detroit Tigers. Speaking <laughs> of the Detroit Tigers, Miguel Cabrera is still sitting at career home run number 499. Yeah. Shohei Otani did watch this game on Wednesday via Makokuta. Number 40. Number 40. But that ball still carrying out there in Comerica Park. <laughs> I don't know if you watched uh, Matt Bazert. Matt Bazert. Matt Bazert. Matt Vasquez, thank you. <laughs> I'm up, folks. Excuse me, it's a fighting. Matt Vasquez <laughs> is called on Valley Sports West for the Angels. Uh, oh, that ball's still going. I know it's very <laughs> imitation of, of his voice, but uh, he said after the game, uh, during that broadcast, that we'll watch this something special. And I said, yes, we are. But will the Angels ever become a winner? And number two, can we all – I know he's injured, but can we uh, – I don't want to put the nail in the coffin, but – can Mike Trout be a quote-unquote forgotten star on the second popular baseball team in Los Angeles? Yeah, maybe? it's sort of or maybe yeah, I'm it's sort of strange. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a little strange that you would think that the way the Rangers, you know, they're in Los, An- Los Angeles, Angels of, of Orange County or whatever, however you want to say it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting, though, right? I mean, they're kind of like they're they're 10 back. You know, they're not going to win the, uh, the AL West, but they're still kind of within the track conditions of the – you know, wild card, but that's still, you know, they're seven and a half back. So that's still a little kind of like a long way to, to go. But it's a, kind of seems unfortunate that, you know, that this team has not made, you know, sort of the strides. You know, they, they won the World Series years ago, but it seems like they haven't been able to duplicate that success. So I don't know what's mm-hmm. happening there, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see if maybe if Joe, if Joe Madden can kind of, you know, turn that corner. You know, Jorge Polanco from the Twins actually had a nice – had three walk offs you know, this week, <laughs> so you know he had you know, he had a had a walk you know walk off you know single walk off double and a walk off sack fly, <laughs> you know <laughs> you know Tony Pena and uh in in, in eighty two and also George Scott in seventy three those were the last guys to do it so you know congrats to him he had a nice week for the you know then the Twins had a nice week so real quick mm-hmm. in the National League um it looks like maybe the Dodgers might be kind of coming up you know they won seven in a row and the Giants well, they beat the Mets yeah. last night we'll talk about that well, in a minute yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah well that's not like I said that's not really saying much but uh yeah I mean the Dodgers they won seven in a row yes they you know they swept the Mets but you know again hey you know, let's <laughs> let's you know let, let's be your fossils here but uh yeah I'm, I'm kind of like looking forward to see what happens with 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 them because i think like we'll see if they can sneak in there because i think the giants you know they better watch out because the dodgers are coming yeah. at them yeah the san francisco Giants took care of the mets earlier this week of course the mets are in, are in the weekend series in los angeles against the dodgers they lost the first game of the four-game set last night. Uh, San Diego, I know they just got Fernando Tetsis Jr. back. He's playing the outfield. Uh, I know Lakina is going to give up the uh, uh, read off the schedule for this weekend series in just a moment. But San Diego, they're starting to slip and slip fast. They struggled at Colorado early this week. Mm-hmm. I know they have a big series against the Dodgers at home next week. You can't look too far ahead, San Diego. This is Now, this is their season right here, in my opinion, because – uh, all the injuries that they've dealt with, uh, and they picked up Jay Garrietta <laughs> the other day. He mm. lost in his first start. Uh, uh, not so good times in San Diego, so they better put together a winning streak and win and a big one fast. Yeah, because they're starting to, you know, both the Giants and the Dodgers are kind of putting them in the rearview mirror, so they better mm-hmm. get together real quick. You know, with the the weekend series, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs, you know, they won, you know, they won their series against the Reds. You know, they won two out of three. Yay! But I give them two claps. 
Yeah. Bravo. Yeah, exactly. They got they got the Royals, they got the Royals coming up starting, you know, in about you know, just a little bit about 20 minutes. So if you're a coach, if you're interested in watching that. Um, you got Atlanta and Baltimore, Minnesota and Yankees. So we'll try to keep up that that uh, win streak they got. Detroit mm-hmm. and Toronto, they definitely need to get their stuff together with the Blue Jays, do they want to kind of keep within mm-hmm. the distance of the ALs, the AL wild card. You got the Angels in, in Cleveland, of course, you got the White Sox and the Rays, Miami and Cincy, Texas and Boston. Boston will try to, you know, try to see if they can get it together. Seattle and Houston, that should be a good one there in the AL West. You got yeah, they're Miami. still hanging around, like you said, Lakina. Yeah, not going I away told you they yet. were. They got a lot of good yeah. players. They're not going away just yet. Miami and Cincy, you know, Texas and Boston, got, you know, they have a double header today. Um, you know, you got Washington and the Nationals. Wait, hold on. I lost my uh, place there. Okay. Mets and Dodgers. Yeah, we'll see <laughs> if the, the Dodgers can kind of keep up. San Fran and Oakland. That should be a good one there in the Bay Area. Battle series. of the like, Bay, yep. That's mm-hmm. a good one. And uh, Philly, you know, the Phillies and San Diego and the Padres. So that should be another good one. So they yeah, got to get both, it to go. Yeah, both, uh, big series of both those teams. Philadelphia, was, uh, which we'll, we'll mention now. They got swept by the Diamondbacks this week. As we told you guys, these are the dog days of summer. Anything can happen. So I think this is just the beginning. So for those contending teams facing lowly teams, if you don't take care of business, uh, these losses can come back and bite you in the you-know-what. Absolutely. So, Sam, we got to take a really, really quick break. So mm-hmm. who do we have coming up? We have Susie Hunter, multimedia journalist from the East Coast. She's doing a special project that – takes her throughout the country well we'll get discuss that and other things with her as you're listening to second city sports along with lakina mcgee i am sydney brown our number one in the books our number two straight ahead I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of TickSplits? Who? TickSplits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TixBlitz.com today. TixSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TixSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere.
Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports live and in living color on Sports Zone Chicago. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can watch this show, Second City Sports, along with our other uh, live shows right here on Sports Zone Chicago via our Facebook and Twitter, uh, Facebook and YouTube pages, I should say. So if you want to watch watch us live, you can do so at Sports Zone Chicago. Make sure you search for Sports Zone Chicago. That's on our Facebook and YouTube pages as well. And to kick off our number two of the Friday edition of Second City Sports, we have multimedia journalist from the East Coast. She's doing something special uh, um, with the game of baseball uh, all summer long. We'll get in, into that, um, plus a whole lot more. And we'll welcome in Miss Susie Hunter, um, multimedia journalist. <laughs> and you can see her if you guys watching us live on YouTube in our in or our Facebook pages at Sports Zone Chicago. You can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at the Susie Hunter. Once again, at T H E S U. Z-I-E Hunter. Did I get that correct, Susie? You nailed it. You nailed it. Susie, Yay! Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to chat with you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming, hopping on with us. Uh, of course, I've been following you for the last couple of weeks, trying to track you down. And, of course, we've been going through some um, changes uh, uh, as far as uh, getting our content out. We're actually back doing live shows now. Uh, I wanted to catch you in person because you were you spent some time here in Chicago over the last couple of weeks. But before we get to that, uh, tell us uh, how did you uh, get involved with this project, project and traveling to every Major League, ball, Major League Baseball ballpark uh, throughout the summer. How did this project come about? Yeah, so I feel like this is just every baseball fan's dream to visit every ballpark, uh, but especially to do it all in one season. Um, I've always <laughs> wanted to do that. And um, I was a reporter in Connecticut, and my contract was up in the spring. And I thought, you know what, instead of renewing, let me take a little time off. Reporting during the pandemic was really stressful, really taxing on everyone's mental health. But I figured, why not take this opportunity? I don't know when I'd have time like this to do this again. Uh, so I just Decided to road trip to every MLB ballpark, uh, but I wanted to make sure I had a charitable component to it as well. So I made sure that I um, made it a fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. Yeah, hashtag she needs gas money. <laughs> <laughs> if you say, give me credit for it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Susie, tell us, Susie, tell us, um, what has it been like, you know, traveling from ballpark to ballpark? Because there's still COVID still, you know, running around. You still got a lot of restrictions in some parts of the country. What has, what has that been like? Yeah, it's been interesting. So I started back in May when, uh, and I started also in the Northeast where there were more restrictions. Um, and every ballpark I went to at the beginning, you know, had a lot of closed concession stands. They weren't at full capacity. Um, I remember specifically having to wear a mask on the concourse everywhere in New York at both stadiums. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely like evolved over the summer. And of course, after that, I headed south, which, you know, famously just has much less restrictions. And now as the Delta variant is becoming a factor again um i'm seeing like a little more restrictions um when i was in both kansas city and st louis those cities have mandates for masks where you have to wear mm -hmm. them inside so i was like 
oh my gosh, I, well, cause I've been vaccinated since April. So I'm like, oh wow, I actually really haven't worn a mask like this in a long time. So I was like, oh God, I gotta make sure I have it. So it's just been interesting watching as the country changes, as you drive through it. Um, and as the COVID numbers have ebbed and flowed, it's a very special season to be doing something like this. Susie Hunter Multimedia, journalist, joining us here on Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. Sitting in the kitchen here with you. Susie, let's get into it. You are in Chicago for the last couple of weeks, both at Wrigley Field and at Sox Park. I'm not calling, even though I'm a Sox fan, as you well know, I'm not calling that corporate name. And for those of you that don't understand, stay out of White Sox business, I'm not explaining it to you. I'll call it uh, Comiskey Park or Sox Park. I'll leave it at that. But uh, tell us uh, the difference between both the ballparks and uh, both the fan bases from your from from your experience in visiting uh, the city of Chicago I will say I have a bone to pick with both ballparks because you Uh-oh. can't walk the concourse at those parks this is the first time I've run into this on my trips um so like I can't like do a full lap at Wrigley I can't do a lap at all at Sox Park so um I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get to see the whole stadium uh because you're not allowed to uh, I didn't like that but um other than mm-hmm. that both parks have great vibes um very different vibes uh but I, I liked both of them a lot oh okay good yeah. so <laughs> we're okay so um some of the best you know ballparks even up and down the northeast you know you just came you know to the midwest so Without ranking them, because I don't want you know some of the the folks around those ballparks to manage you. So, okay, so without putting them in order so far, who are your, your kind of like your top you know your top ballparks you visit so far? Yeah, um, so I loved PNC Park in Pittsburgh, um, and I'd never been to Pittsburgh. I'm from Philly originally, but like. Philly people, Pittsburgh people, we don't really like cross the state too much for each other because there's not a lot of people. <laughs> uh, so I've, never been, I've never been to Pittsburgh. I loved it there. It was so humid, though. Uh, but that was a really cool ballpark. I really like the Rangers' new park, the new Globe Life. Um, yes. it's, it's it's a modern marvel. I got a tour of it, and it was just – there's so much crazy tech that goes into it. Um, and also just, like, different things that they did to, like, maximize – the money that they make off of fans because that's also what it's about too but um it's a really cool park and it looks really it looks like a big ugly convention center on the outside but inside it kind of looks like a course field you get a lot of natural light and i've been to you know a lot of the indoor parks now and it's probably the best natural light that you get in those covered parks so uh i liked that a lot uh so those are a couple of my favorites that i've run into so far uh, before I, I get to my next question, Susie, I'll go back to both ballparks in, in Chicago. Of course, I was fortunate enough to watch uh, Cubs, Sox, and Wrigley a couple of weeks ago. And I will say this, in defense of Wrigley, uh, they did have the vendors out there. And so I, I know many teams have different views on it. Of course, cutting back and trying to recoup money from not having it fans in the stands last year. Wrigley had the vendors out out there. Sox Park, they still don't, which makes no sense to me. I was there uh, last Sunday against the the Yankees, even in the upper deck, because those last two games, as you all know, Susie, you were there last Saturday. Uh, Both those games were sold out. And if you don't, I tell people this all the time. I, in even in a quote unquote regular year pre COVID era, uh, get to right. the ballpark early so you can re- avoid those lines. Of course, we have vendors. I'm sure they'll re- hopefully they'll return for the playoffs, you know, for the Sox, but they still don't have vendors there. And it makes no sense. If you don't get your food and, and concessions early, you're going to wait there for at least any almost two full innings. And I, I was just trying to get to the bathroom and I, I had to duck and dash <laughs> through these long lines. It makes no sense. Yeah. So oh, did yeah. you experience the other day, uh, last week at Sox Park? 
Oh, absolutely. So I was there for Saturday. So that was the first game back after the Field of Dreams game. It was packed. Uh, there was a jersey giveaway, too. So I made sure we got there so early. I wanted to get there right when the gates opened because I wanted to make Small sure. Small girl. Small girl. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, even like it was just like I said, it was so packed. But I was in line forever, like just getting like simple food items. It took a really <laughs> long time, like probably some of the longest lines I've seen. Uh, but I also know that it was like uh, a couple of the like concessions people that I talked to, people at the store uh, said that it was the busiest game they'd seen all season. Yeah, go ahead, Lagina. No, uh, no, I was just gonna. I was just gonna thinking that uh, I know the concessions, some of them were kind of limited, you know, because of COVID. You know, best ballpark food. I know that, like I, like I said, I know some of the the concessions are still kind of limited, you know, how many people can go to those because to the concessions. But you know, best ballpark food so far that you've had. Oh, I know. I hate this question just because, like, there are parks that I know have great food, but they weren't at full capacity when I was there, so I didn't get to like experience it myself. Right. Um, you know, I actually, um, I had some, I guess this is in my recent memory because I was just in Kansas City. Uh, they have great barbecue there, but I tried the nachos there with some pulled chicken and it was phenomenal pulled chicken. <laughs> so I really enjoyed yeah. that. My favorite ballpark food of all time, though, are the monster nachos in Coors Field, specifically the ones mm -hmm. in Section 110. So if you're ever going out to Colorado... I know there are a lot of Cubs fans who like to travel there or like to move there, uh, but um, best nachos, I think, in Major League Baseball. <laughs> I'm not just in Colorado, but loaded nachos at Sox Park, phenomenal. That's one of all of the Sox fans' favorites. I don't know if you ate it last week, Susie, but the loaded nachos in the helmet at Sox Park, tremendous. <laughs> Multimedia journalist Susie Hunter is joining us here on Second City Sports, the Friday edition, live and in living color, along with Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown. Susie, uh, before you started this adventure this year, which bulk parks did you visit that you didn't have a chance to visit uh, before uh, you, you, you started this journey? Which ballparks did you visit uh, in said, uh, I never got a chance to visit that ballpark before this year. Which, which was uh, well, those ballparks that you visited for the first time this year so far on, your, on this journey? Yeah, definitely a lot. Like I've been to a lot of minor league parks and I've been to like, you know, most of the parks in the Northeast, but then like outside of that, and like I've been to Coors Field a bunch. I've been to Target Field, but most of the parks that I'm visiting are parks that are brand new to me. And especially at this point now, every park that I go to for the first time will be like the first time that I'm there. Uh, so okay. it's been really cool. After I hit um, Target Field earlier this summer, that was about halfway for me. And then I was like, okay, every ballpark after this is new. Uh, so yeah, a, a lot of new experiences this summer. What about out West? Have you had a chance to go to any of the ballparks out West yet? Or you know, if so, have you or have you not? Are you hoping to, to do that? Well, I will do it. Yeah, so that's next. Um, so my, I just finished my Midwest leg, and I'm heading out towards uh, the West Coast, and I will do all of that in the next coming month. It'll take me about a month to get through it all, um, so I'm, I'm excited. Uh, and it's going to be a beautiful drive, too, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, hashtag she needs gas money, money or yeah. this girl needs gas money. We'll, we'll insert those hashtags for you if we need to, <laughs> oh, Susie. <God. laughs> thank you, thank you. Gas is expensive. It's yes, wild. it is. It is very expensive. Yeah. You brought up the Field of Dreams game earlier, Susie, and I know you watched it from, from a bar uh, in, in Chicago. Uh, question. 
Do you think I know Major League Baseball is right now? They're going to continue this thing. Uh, next year is going to be Cubs Reds. Boo! I, I, I think it should be a different matchup, but that's a whole another conversation for a whole another time. But <laughs> uh, do you think that uh, baseball can uh, can actually capitalize on this, make it a, at least a yearly thing, if not a every other year thing, just like the hockey does with the Winter Classic? Yeah. Oh, I definitely think it's like in that spirit um, and just seeing the demand for it. I was also looking for tickets for it for a long time and they were so expensive. So yeah. I definitely see the demand there. And I think people who wish they went this year might, you know, be able to actually make it next year, maybe myself included. Uh, but yeah, I think it's cool. <laughs> and watching it on TV, it was so cinematic. It was really incredible. Oh, I love it. And I love that you're doing this, you know, primarily for to support the Boys and Girls Club of America, because I think they really can use the money, especially right now with with COVID. What made you decide to uh, to to do this and to pick that particular charity to, you know, to, you know for, for the donations to be open? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you asked this. So um, I had worked with Boys and Girls Club a lot in Hartford, um, and I see what they do with youth sports um, and I see what they do with the game of baseball. And if we're going to further the game of baseball, you know, we need to be encouraging kids playing, but also just team sports are so beneficial for young kids. Um yeah. And outside mm -hmm. of sports, too, the Boys and Girls Clubs do so much. Um, and I've talked to kids at different clubs uh, over the past, you know, couple of months and you know, the mental health struggle when clubs were closed, like, it was brutal. So I want everyone to kind of make sure these kids have the best summer, the best next coming year. Um, so I want to, you know, help pour all of our resources into that. Heading down the home starts with Susie Hunter, multimedia journalist of Philadelphia's very own, right here on Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. You listening to us on Sports Zone Chicago. Susie, uh, we know that you're going to finish this uh, year uh, on a high note, uh, visiting every ballpark in Major League Baseball. Are you considering any other projects uh, of visiting all the other stadiums? Uh, given the weather, climate, are you considering doing it for the NBA, for the NFL, or the NHL anytime soon? Would, oh, my would gosh, that, that be, would be so in, Would that be a part of your future plans? That would be so amazing to do. Baseball is my first love, so I'd have to make sure I did this okay. first. Uh, I would okay. love to do something like that down the road, um, but definitely not this year because financially we'll not be able to right. make it happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably. I'm saying. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, probably a smart thing to do. Now, which which uh, ballparks in the West Coast are you looking forward to visiting? Because there's some really good ones. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um. So this whole time, I'm mo I've been most looking forward to visiting Seattle because I've never been to Seattle, and I hear that park is amazing, and I hear they have some great food and some interesting food. Like I think they serve grasshoppers. That's the thing that they have. Yeah, been doing I've there. heard so that. Yeah. I, there's a lot yeah. that I want to try, and I hear that city is beautiful, like in general. So I'm so excited to visit Seattle. Uh, Susie, before you started this project, uh, where did that passion and love for baseball and for sports in general come from? Did it come from your parents or did it come from somebody else in your family? Where did your passion of sports come from? We could tell through this interview that it's really a joy uh, and a joy and pure happiness talking about the game of baseball from your perspective. Where did that passion come from? 
Yeah, well, I'm from Philly, which is, you know, one of the most intense sports towns you will ever <laughs> um, So it's just, it's definitely the culture there. Uh, but I definitely have um, some family members who are big baseball fans. My grandfather was a huge Red Sox fan. He was from Boston originally. Um, but yeah, like I've just, I've always loved it. And um, I definitely came to love it even more when I got to cover the Hartford Yard Goats when I worked in Hartford. Um, so it's just, it's been a lifelong love. I love that. Now, what, what about your, uh, what, what's the, what, what are your favorite, who are your favorite teams? I know you're not, you know, right now you, you gotta be impartial, but you know, what are your, your tried and true favorite teams? Is it, is it the Phillies? Is it the Red Sox? You're like a grandfather. What, who, who, what are your favorite teams? Uh, well, so I was born a Phillies fan, uh, but I've also become a Rockies fan because I covered their minor league team in um, Hartford. So I've low-key become a Rockies fan. Um, love them both. You have um, a different relationship with the team you were raised to love and the team you choose to love. Um, and they're both definitely hard to love uh, quite often. <laughs> <laughs> who are some of your Phillies players uh, growing up? Who are some of your favorite players from the Phillies that you love watching growing up? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I um, – we actually – so we lived around the corner for Mike Schmidt when we were kids. So, like, always, like, a fan of him. Uh, never met <laughs> oh, him. Lucky <laughs> oh, lucky you. I was like, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, always, like, had a love for him because it's just like, oh, you, you're nearby in, like, the much nicer neighborhood. But, like, he's nearby. He's one of us. Um, <laughs> A Delco guy. I don't know if you guys know about Delco, Delaware County, like a suburb of Philly. Oh, but I've heard of that, yeah. It's got mm -hmm. a lot of personality, so anyone who chooses Delco is fun in my book. Um, big Chase Utley fan after, you know, the oh, 08 yes. World Series. Mm -hmm. um, that was just, in general, like, a great time. That was such a fun time in my life. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you, do you think the Phillies can make a go at it this year? I mean, they're, they're kind of right near the top of the NLEs. Right. Of course, they have to get swept by like one of the worst teams in baseball. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Phillies, you know, it's like finally like we're getting our hopes up and then they get swept by the D-backs. Uh, but I think they definitely have a chance. Uh, Braves are definitely, you know, very much in it, too. They could run away with it. The Mets are done. Um, so I don't know. The Phillies have a chance, though, for sure. <laughs> hoping on a wing and a prayer. <laughs> Last moment <laughs> or two with Susie Hunter, a multimedia journalist for Philly. <laughs> Join us here on Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. Lakina is sitting with you. Uh, Susie, one of the subjects we uh, we harp on, we talk about on this show, myself and Lakina, is that uh, baseball needs to reach out to a, a more younger demographic. The NFL is still struggling to do that. Uh, the NBA, of course, you know, the hip-hop culture has been in full swing for the last 20, 25 years. They have no problem admitting that, and they cater their uh, coverage uh, to the uh, younger fan base. The whole NBA Twitter culture is just phenomenal. Of course, hockey, well, they had no somebody but themselves. But in your opinion, how do you think that baseball can reach out to help uh, uh, to – uh, attract the game to you know, to younger fans. I know they had a bunch of rule changes over the last few years. We see it try, we see it a little bit in television coverage, but how can baseball help reach out to the, a more younger fan base to, to attract them to watch watch this game? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you can do rule changes like you can, you know, change the way you cover it on TV, but it's not going to make much of a difference unless you end blackouts, because there are so many people who can't stream the teams that they would want to mm -hmm. watch. Yeah. So, like, do all you want with the game or with how you cover it. But if people can't watch it, then, like, what's the point? And, like, younger people are streaming things, you know, pretty much exclusively. Yeah. So you got to end mm -hmm. the blackouts. I think that is the biggest thing.
do you also agree too that maybe they should perhaps maybe perhaps promote their stars more? You know, we got Tim Anderson here in Chicago. Also, too, I know over in Philly, you got Andrew McCutcheon. You know, probably one of the faces from the from the Philly. So, do you think also too they need to promote you know their players, particularly their African American players, especially? Yeah, absolutely. Players can definitely be promoted better. Um, uh, but I think also making it more accessible to watch yeah. is like it's mm -hmm. like I think that's like the biggest thing, and it just drives me crazy. You know. <laughs> 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 where are you uh, hanging out this weekend which ballpark um so i was in um st louis and kansas city earlier this week and i'm heading to seattle which is a very long drive so i'm actually yeah. stopping in denver for a couple of days um so i'll catch another rockies game probably while i'm here i have a lot of friends in denver too uh, my that mom actually you. flew out to denver and she's gonna do the drive to seattle with me i haven't had oh, anyone awesome. else in my oh car. that's cool I have not had anyone else in my car all summer long. So like being around another person, prayers for my mom. Like she's going to be like, you live like a truck driver. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> God, I love you. Look, moms are always, always worrying, worry warts you. So it's, I, I understand where you're coming from, Susie. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, look, yeah, I mean, look, look, Seattle is a great ballpark. I know, I know PFC is a really great ballpark too in Pittsburgh. Everyone says that it's like kind of like one of the first class, like, ballparks and you know we you know here we can do a little bit better i know i know that the cubs just opened some up some like you know cool um you know exhibits you know around the wiggly field you know for some they actually have not have a hall of fame wing now which is crazy look i don't i mm -hmm. haven't been in a i haven't been in white house part in a while so so I'm, I'm i'm sure you know they've got some new stuff too of course you know, all of us live due to covid so it, you know, I just I love what you're doing, Susie. I think that this is sort of a really cool like bucket list thing. You know, for anybody who's a big baseball fan, they can look you up on your on your website. I've seen your website. There's some really great stuff on there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's definitely a fun fun trip, and I highly recommend it to anyone, even if you do it in like little legs. I've met a lot of people who are like, oh, my, you know, friends and I are doing like these four ballparks in a road trip. So I've met a lot of mini road trippers. And I feel right. like this is definitely the summer to do that after being so cooped up last year. Yeah. Uh, last question for me, Susie. Hashtag she needs gas money. Oh, hashtag <laughs> girl needs the gas money. Uh, where can people uh, contribute uh, uh, to uh, to your fund to help the Boys and Girls Club of America uh, as you travel around the country? Where can people uh, make make their donations to? Where where uh, where can you direct them to make their donations to help you fund this road trip? Yeah, yeah. So um, I have a GoFundMe specifically for the Boys and Girls Clubs. Uh, I also have a Patreon like for my own expenses, so that definitely helps a little too, and I'm so grateful for the people who um, are subscribing to that. But um, you can find the links to both of those at thesusiehunter.com slash MLB dash road dash trip. And if that's like a lot to type in, find me on social media. The link is right there on every profile. I'm at thesusiehunter across all platforms. Hashtag she, need, hashtag she needs gas money. So we're going to some gas money. It's pretty expensive. <laughs> it's but more a lot than of anything, I like very much need donations so badly because my goal is 30K and I'm not close yet, but I'm going to get there. Uh, but I definitely need a lot of help getting those donations for the boys and girls clubs. We'll definitely All put right. that on our, we'll definitely put that on, um, on our um, social media too. So how to kind of help you out. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll definitely help you out the best way we can. And that's been Susie Hunter, multimedia journalist out of Philadelphia. She's been kind enough to take some time out for busy schedules. Uh, hang out with us on Second City Sports. Sid Lakina here with you on Sports Zone Chicago. Susie, thank you very much for uh, taking the time and joining us today. It sounds like a cool experience. I know you're going to finish this home stretch strong. And uh, if anything, uh, if anything comes about anything different, please let us know. We'll love to have you back on again. But when the when my Chicago White Sox make the playoffs, hopefully things work out. Hopefully we can get you back to Chicago because there's nothing like uh, White Sox fans and White Sox baseball <laughs> in Chicago on the South Side in October. Let's see if we can do something about that. Oh my gosh, I would love to come back when the White Sox make playoffs. I would love to. Let's make it happen. Thank you guys so much for having me on, though. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Susie. You stay safe. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Susie. Take care. Stay safe out there. Thanks. All right. That was fun, Lakina. Susie Hunter, multimedia uh, journalist out of Philadelphia. Uh, She's um, Take your time out of her busy schedule to uh, do this this year. She mentioned uh, she's having fun. Like like she mentioned, follow her on Instagram and on Twitter at the Susie Hunter. That's T H E S U Z I E Hunter. Uh, she's having a great time. Um, um, being a whole lot of great fans. Unfortunately, my schedule couldn't link up with hers. Uh, I was actually supposed to be at that Saturday Sox game, but uh, it just uh, couldn't happen. Uh, I just had to go to that Sunday that Sunday game last week. But uh, she, uh, she's having a great time. You can see the uh, hear the joy in her voice, and uh, we like to uh, bring you fun stories like that. Yeah, we get into the heart and being potatoes of of, of sports, but. Fun stories like that, you just cannot beat it. How could you not like that? That's just, yeah, she like she likes such a nice, nice um, young lady too. So I really yes. love what she's doing. So we'll we'll have it on, you know, we'll have a ticker you know, going across the screen, you know, for the last segment of our show, so you guys can mm-hmm. check out what she's doing and you can be able to spread to your friends and help her out. Also, to the also more most importantly, the Boys and Girls Club of America. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, doing charity work is always a great thing, and we're we're gonna help out as best way we can here on this show. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna take a really quick break. We're gonna you know talk about some other stuff that that that's happening you know in the sports world this week, including some major injuries and also to some other you know some media news too that we'll have coming up here. So you know for you know second seat you know second seat sports on Sports on Chicago with myself, Lakina McGee, and Cindy Brown. We'll be right back. <laughs> I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere.
And welcome back to Second City Sports here on Sports Zone Chicago. Once again, I am Lakina McGee along with Sydney Brown. Our last segment, you know, it's, show's gone by so quick, Sid. I mean, it's, it's been crazy. Yeah, so that's what happens when you're having fun. Time flies and it flies by fast. <laughs> All right, we'll get to some of the other news here. Going to do this rapid fire. So, uh, one of the top you know, goalies in the last, I think, what, last decade has announced his retirement. Hendrick Lundqvist, formerly of the New York Rangers, has called it a career after 15 seasons, of course. Various health issues so it kept him from playing last year. Um, he's a five-time All-Star and won the Vesna Trophy as a league's top goalie in, you know, in 2012. Um, he went went to uh, the Capitals, but then, you know, he, had, he couldn't play because he had to undergo open-heart surgery. Uh, what do you think? You know, having a great, uh, have, you know, playing 887 games, excuse me, 449, 459 of them, which is about 90, just under 92%, a 2.43 goal against average, and 64 career shutouts. He is a Rangers, you know, franchise's top lead, top, you know, still all title leader in all of those mm-hmm. categories I just mentioned, Sid. It, you know, what do you think of his career? I think, look, not not to mention, you know, me being sort of the lady here. I'm, you know, I'm going to be, you know, honest. You know, very probably one of those handsome players. <laughs> you know, the good looking players. I'm, I'm not. You know, look, I, look, I'm not afraid. Look, I'm single. I'm, I'm straight. I'm not afraid to admit that. So hopefully <laughs> that he's a very handsome man. He's he's happily married though to a really great to a really, really great lady. So I'm not, you know, no, no, I'm not mad at that. But uh, yeah. So what do you think about his his hockey career? <laughs> yeah, don't apologize. You've just been yourself. But uh, going back to his <laughs> career, uh, he's had a great career. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Toronto should be knocking on his door pretty soon. Uh, he was the New York Rangers even when they made those uh, Stanley Cup runs in 2014 when they lost to the L.A. Kings. Of course, uh, he was up there as one of the top five goalies in the league at the time with uh, himself. Corey Crawford, who had a great 2013, and John DeQuick, who won a couple of cups with the LA Kings and Tuka Rass. So he was so Lundquist was up there with those goalies for for that time period. Uh, it was just so sad that he couldn't get a Stanley Cup. But yeah. regardless, he still had a, a, a heck of a career. He was the New York Rangers around that time. They made they was trying to make those Stanley Cup runs. I know they fell short uh, in 2012, losing to. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, uh, their interstate, uh, tri-state rivals. As I mentioned, they lost to the Kings in 2014 in five games. But it, uh, the Rangers had a couple of chances to uh, to knock on the door and they yeah. at least get one cup from Mr. Lundquist. They just couldn't make it happen. I know you had Pittsburgh in the way at the time. Boston was still hanging around at the time as well. So that, uh, the Rangers had a tough go. But I just wish that Lundquist had – uh, a Stanley Cup ring on his resume. Now, does it negate his career? Obviously not. Let's not give him the Charles Barkley treatment. But he's had a heck of a career, and whatever he wants to do with the rest of his life, uh, uh, he's gonna he's gonna do it. So he's a first ballot Hall of Famer in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, and so uh, uh, he was one of the best during his era. So uh, he he should be commended on the great career. Two thumbs up from yours truly, if you can see it. <laughs> thumbs, thumbs, thumbs. Also, also let. Yeah, also led his native Sweden to the 06 um, gold medal in his Turin uh, Winter yeah. Olympics. So right. definitely, you know, shout out to him there. Also, you know, one of the, you know, the, in the top 20 in a lot of categories when it comes to goal, comes to goalies, you know, sixth in wins, seventh in saves, eighth in games played, ninth in starts, 
ninth, you know, in all time on the ice, that which is a lot. I'm not even gonna try to say that number, but also 17 <laughs> in the shutouts, which considering some of the you know the top goalies that we've seen, you know, prior, though that's a, actually a pretty good stat. So definitely a first battle hall of fame. We'll see if he does television too. So he, he has a great personality. <laughs> so we'll see if he decides to you know, do TV. Um, some NBA, some NBA signs to uh, to talk about here. Joel Embiid has a new contract, a four-year, 196 supermax deal to stay with the Sixers. Um, what, do, what do you think? I think he's definitely deserving of it. You know, even with the various injuries, he's definitely right there. You know, mm-hmm. with you know, right up there with some of the top players. Could have won the MVP MVP two last season <laughs> had it not been for those injuries. So, you know, what do you think about his new deal? Yeah, yeah, he he deserves it, and like you said, like you know, despite the injuries, he 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 was a front runner for MVP. Uh, if he wasn't, if it wasn't for those twenty games that he missed last season, but but he is that franchise. Philadelphia rewarded him with a with a good uh, with a great contract. Hopefully, Mister and B will stay healthy for the rest of his career, and hopefully Philadelphia can break through at least get to the finals, and perhaps get a championship. You had the right head coach as of now in Doc Rivers. The question is. Uh, what what will they do with Ben Simmons? Can they get a fair deal for him? Who knows? But if Mr. Simmons uh, uh, is not traded by the time this uh, next season starts, uh, there could be some issues. But going back to Mr. Embiid, uh, he is your foundation. Uh, he is the centerpiece. If if, if he stays healthy, um, Philadelphia can go places. But if he's not healthy, as we we've seen throughout these last few years, uh, Philadelphia doesn't go anywhere. So. This was a no-brainer here to give um, Joel a, a, this big contract. Well, and also, too, I always say, like, good luck trying to find somebody, a taker for Ben Simmons, because, you know, that that contract. Mm-hmm. But also, too, do you want to take a chance now with, you know, he is young, still young. You know, he's still in his early 20s. Mm-hmm. But even still, I mean, do you really want to kind of mm-hmm. deal with having him, to, you know, ask him to develop a jump shot, you know, work on his free <laughs> throws? I mean, come on. Yeah. This seems a little bit we- weird at this point. Yeah, as we say all the time, Lakina, in any sport, and particularly in the NBA, where you get very fair value for superstars, especially with those uh, large contracts, it's so hard to do. Will you get a third team involved? Who knows? Maybe Philadelphia's tried that. Who knows? But uh, we'll see what happens with this Ben, Stop- ben Simmons drama. Absolutely, it's definitely a drama indeed. Um, <laughs> what else? Um, what else can we talk about here? Um, some uh, NBA execs said that uh, the Bulls you know, trading for Demar Derozan was the worst move in you know in, in the offseason so far. Please. Uh, and I, I yeah, we started for, preseason. Yeah, we started hearing this nonsense already. I know, oh, and, and they actually God. and they actually voted the. Kyle Lowry's, um, you know, signing with the uh, well, trading with the Heat, I should say, as the top move. So you gotta think, you know, hello, Mister Agenda, uh, whoever y'all thought of that. But uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just absurd that they, that they, you know, it's just absurd that people would do that. And also, no respect either. Um, the NBA season, you know, for for television will be announced in about twenty minutes from now at the top of the hour. You know. The, the Bulls not getting a lot of love. You know, they were shut out of the, the opening uh, week tip-off and mm-hmm. also for, for both TNT and ABC and ESPN. And they were shut out also, too, of the Christmas Day games, really. But we do know <laughs> that they do <laughs> – I mean, it's just silly that they're not getting any respect. And this team will be better. And, mm-hmm. you know, that no – Right now, I'm sure they will get some nationally televised games, but come on, no, you know no Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but still, you know, no Christmas games, 
There's no opening week games. I mean, come on, really, really. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, the Bulls uh, will have to earn their keep. As you know, Lakina, as as a, a team progresses, a, a team that comes out of nowhere, they start winning. The league will put them on national television more often. Now, did I think the Bulls deserved a Christmas Day game? No. Opening week, perhaps. You can make an argument for that. Christmas Day, no. But like you said, Lakina, as of right now, the, the hype is back at the UC. Uh, you have Zach Levine, along with DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball. Of course, Alex Caruso uh, as your defensive specialist. Your energizer coming off the bench as your defensive specialist. So things are looking up for the Bulls right now. Uh, Like you mentioned, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how many national televised games that the Bulls will receive this year. It's going to be more than one. It's probably going to be more than five for sure. I say maybe between 10 and 15. Maybe this me being a little bit optimistic. But at least ten to fifteen. That's sure not that out of eighty-two. That's too much. Not too much to ask. <laughs> right. the, league, the league, just like the NFL, even though the NFL wants to want to make us look like fools, they don't flex these games. Like I said, the NBA has no problem flexing some of these national television appearances. So maybe between ten and fifteen games for the Bulls on national television, if they decide to get good or us us for surprising people and they hang around the top two, top three spot, they'll get on a little bit more. Trust me. <laughs> we'll see. Um, you know, just go through the, the, the Christmas day games. You got the, you got, you know, Hawks and Knicks, you know, starting right off on Christmas morning mm-hmm. at noon, at noon Eastern time. It's 11 a.m. Our time on ESPN. What do you think about that matchup? That's a great matchup. It was a, a very good first-round series last year if you were an Atlanta Hawks fan. It was a good series to watch if you were an NBA fan. Trey Young, I think this is his first uh, Christmas Day game. Yep, so we it saw is. What he did to the, uh, we, we saw what he did to the Knicks in the playoffs last year. Uh, like I said before, during that time, he's this generation's Reggie Miller. <laughs> it was going to be a whole lot of booing and some other stuff on that day, so I'm really looking forward to that one. Can he put up a yeah, 50 piece on Christmas Day? Now, that'll be yeah, a storyline. Yeah, I'll definitely put on a show, you know, for Christmas, you know, for a Christmas Day audience. Yeah, put up these 50 piece in MSG. Yeah. Next up, we got the Bucks and Celtics. That's about 1.30 our time, 2.30 uh, Eastern time. What do you think about that matchup? We'll see how Boston looks. I know they're going through a transition with uh, Brad Stevens, now former head coach, now uh, team executive. <laughs> they got rid of Kimball hmm. Walker. Uh, uh, I know Jason Tam is the face of that franchise now. I know Jalen Brown's back, but who else you, you know, are you going to sell for the Boston Celtics? Of course, Milwaukee, they're the defending champs. Uh, it's all about the Greek freak and Chris Middleton. So uh, it's still a good, respectable matchup on, uh, um, as the second game on Christmas Day. Yeah, it should be a fun one there, Austin. But this one should be a whole lot of fun the next one, you know, it looks like a late, this is sort of like a you know late afternoon game on ABC at four o'clock our time. It's five Eastern time. You got Suns and Warriors. That should be a fun one. Um, you know, CP3. You got Booker. Mm-hmm. You got you know Aiton and you know fresh off of. We'll see how hungry they are. You know, we'll see how they look as they go you know, after their their trip to the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Clay. Clay's gonna be back for the Warriors. Steph, you know, and Draymond. Please stay healthy, now. Clay. Please stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, that should be that should be a fun one. There. What do you think about that matchup? Uh, just like your Shirley, if you uh, hopefully the Atlanta New York game is good. Uh, that second game, if Milwaukee and Boston, if that game should get out of hand, you could pop in a movie or just play video games or use Milwaukee and Boston as a nap. Wake me up at four o'clock to watch Sons of Warriors. <laughs> hopefully, both teams will have the superstars stay healthy. If that's the case, I'll be looking forward to that one. 
<laughs> that should be a lot of fun. Also, too, you get after that game, uh, you get probably sort of like the capper here, and I think this is probably what you know what you're looking at here. You know, this will actually be simulcast above ABC and ESPN at eight Eastern time at seven o'clock. You know, our time. You got Nets and Lakers. Well, hopefully everyone stays healthy. You know, that way you can see mm-hmm. LeBron, AD, Westbrook, you know, Carmelo, and the, the rest of the Lakers against KD, Kyrie, Harden, and the Nets. That should be a fun one. You know, already people are already trying to see you know, NBA Finals preview, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, the league got it right on this one, as you mentioned, as I, I mentioned for the Suns and Warriors matchup. Hopefully all the superstars stay healthy. If that's the case, we will, hopefully we can witness a, a classic game. Absolutely. And the night cap, which will be after that game, that'll this will be an ABC game. We got the Mavs and the Jazz. Should be interesting. I mean, you got the other middle tier teams. You'll see how everyone's look. You know, will, will, will somebody be there to help out Luca? That's, that's sort of the number one thing. He got his yeah. money, but, you know, will somebody be there to help him out? Also, too, you got, you know, of course, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. That should be an interesting one. Sort of interesting way to cap off, you know, Christmas night. You know, for the NBA. Now, think about this, Lakina. I, I heard an interesting point. I was watching Colin Carhart's uh, radio show earlier this week, and his colleague, Nick Wright, who co-hosts First Things First on FS1 a few hours before Colin's show, he brought mm-hmm. up a good point. You have the last game is Denver at Utah. Of course, I, I got, uh, sorry, Dallas at Utah, sorry. Dallas at Utah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dallas. Uh, I, uh, I'll bring up Denver in just a moment. But, uh, mm-hmm. Why is Utah getting the Christmas Day game? And this is yeah. um, paraphrase what Nick Wright said. He said, uh, uh, Nikolai Jokic, who's the defending MVP, regular yeah. season MVP. I get why Dallas and Luka. I like Luka just like everybody else. But why is Utah getting the Christmas Day game? And Nick Wright uh, brought up an interesting question. When was the last time a defending MVP did not play on Christmas the following season? And if you could look this up, Lakina, real quick, we're doing this live on Sports Zone Chicago. You're listening to Second City Sports. Sid Lakina here with you. Uh, if you could look this up real quick via the Google machine, <clears throat> when was the last time the defending regular season MVP did not, I repeat, did not play on Christmas Day last year? I was thinking of a couple of offhand. The 93-94 season, the year Michael Jordan didn't play. I know the Bulls in Orlando played on Christmas night. Tony Kukoc hit a second-game winner of his career that game. I, I don't think that Phoenix Suns played on Christmas Day that year. That's technically December of 93. Remember, Charles Barkley won the MVP the year before. And I want to say December of 97, that was the 97-98 season. Of course, the Bulls and the Heat played on Christmas night at the UC. The Bulls won that one as part of their sixth and last championship during that season. I don't think Utah played on Christmas Day either. Remember, Carl Malone won the MVP uh, the season before. If you can look those up yeah. real quick. Those two actually, names just popped up in my head. Actually, he actually joking is the first. He is, is the he? first to, yeah, that's, yeah, I'm looking right at it. Yeah, this is, you know, he is the first MVP, you know, MVP to not be playing on Christmas Day. Because remember, so, they started doing these Christmas Day games of like around like the, like the early 2000s or the late, late 90s, early 2000s. That was when sort of what kind of became this big thing. So, Mm-hmm. It really didn't be, you know, it wasn't until ABC and ESPN took over where they kind of had this, you know, quintuple header of games. So that's probably <laughs> where it all started. And yeah, it is sort of weird that, you know. You should Utah, because, like I said, if you can look this up yeah. real quick, uh, this uh, Christmas Day, December 93, and Christmas Day, December of 97. Did Carmelo and Charles Barkley play on, on those days? Christmas Day. 
Okay. Yeah, Lakina's looking up information here quickly. 90, what, 90, you said 98? Yeah, December of 1997. Okay. Yeah, December 25th, 1997. Did the Utah Jazz play on that day? Um, okay, let me see here. I see, I see you know, Bulls and Heat. Wait, All right. Wait, that's, yeah, that's a 97. Um, I see Christmas. Okay, yeah, I see. Okay, I see. I see Miami, and yeah, that's the only game I see. Hold on. Okay, it says hmm. yeah, Utah. Yeah, Utah. Utah played for the first. You know. Oh yeah, because that was the that was actually yeah the, that was actually the last time they played on Christmas Day it was ninety seven in Utah. So it's okay, actually. So gonna be, I was wrong. Yeah. Okay, so I was wrong. Yes. Karma alone. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so oh, they yeah, did so, play. Who did they play on Christmas Day that year? Hold on. What did he see here? You gotta love Google, folks. Uh, yeah, we're yes. doing this live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing this live. It doesn't say who they played that day. Uh, nope, I don't. For the, what I'm reading up. Look, I'm sure somebody will bring it up. Yeah, we'll comment here if you guys know. Uh, the last time that uh, Utah played, but this is actually going to yeah. be the first time Utah has had a Christmas Day game since '97. So, okay, and December of 1993, that was part of the '93-'94 season. As we mentioned Charles Barkley was the defending uh, regular season MVP from the '92-'93 season. Did Phoenix play on Christmas Day? I know, like as I mentioned before, the Bulls in Orlando did. Tony Kukoc hit the yes, game winner did. on that night, right? So, the, so Phoenix did play did play on uh, Christmas Day in '93. Hold on, let me see. Christmas Day, '93. <clears throat> it's weird that like, some of these me? places are going here. Uh, Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, that's the only game I see. So yeah, they did not. Yeah, so the Suns did not play that year on Christmas. So yeah, the only yes, yeah, the only game that's popping up is the Magic and the Bulls, and we all know what happened there. That was a nationally televised yeah. game. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's it. Those days. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, that's all they had. That was only the only game. That was only the, the only yeah. game. So. As far as we yeah, know, yeah. So, so I said, those are the two names that popped up for me because especially during the 90s when NBC had those games, of course, uh, except for the year that Jordan came back, uh, that 95-96 yeah. season, that was the only, uh, yeah, of course, out, out, yeah, that was the end of the season that he came back later on that year, 94-95. Those were the only two years when he played, I'm talking about Michael Jordan, that did, did not play on Christmas Day. But during, uh, during those uh, championship runs, the Bulls were always the marquee game on Christmas night on NBC. Yeah, those are was really good games. Also, there was only like what one or two games. I think like back in way back when there was only like one yeah. game on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. If that's now we're down now we're up to like five. Five. So, yeah. Some people. Oh, I, I heard a caller on one of those national. Oh no, it was a local show, not Chicago, but. Uh, I think somewhere on the West Coast, <clears throat> excuse me, and this caller brought this up. I wanted to ask you, uh, this, this, now we're talking about these NBA Christmas Day games. This caller yeah. said to this host, uh, uh, because he thought that uh, there was too many games on Christmas Day. We know why the league does it, which me personally, I don't have a problem with it, but this no. caller brought it up. You should have two games on Christmas Eve and then three games on Christmas Day. What do you think about that? I'll let you answer Didn't first they? before I get my answer. Didn't they? Didn't they used to do that though back in the day? Didn't they used to do have two like one or two Christmas Eve? Or they didn't? Oh, well, I don't know why, but my my mind's starting to go here. But yeah, I mean, it would be interesting though if they did do like maybe two Christmas. But remember, the league's the whole league's off on Christmas Eve, so I guess that's probably why mm -hmm. they do it is because they want to give you know folks, you know, players and coaches an extra time to be with their families because some of them are not going to be home for Christmas, mm -hmm. you know, because they're going to be playing the games. That's probably why they do it. So you mm -hmm. know, that's, that's probably why they do it. 
Yeah, I, was, I, I thought about that that uh, that idea that that caller brought up. I said that's not a bad idea, but like you said, especially those uh, teams that are playing on Christmas Day, you give them Christmas Eve off to spend time with their families, as you mentioned. Because, and let's be honest too, Lakina, let's just say those game, couple of those games are duds. Uh, there'll be extra, and plus people are spending time with their families anyway. So if you're going to watch sports, uh, some, I know sometimes at the NFL, like they did, I believe last year or the season mm-hmm. before i know the saints yeah. played the vikings on christmas day it just happens that the nfl uh played on christmas day but i i, I, I think it was a great idea from that caller but like you mentioned again the nba wants to be on your conscience on your television screen from morning mm-hmm. to night and so I, I don't think they should change it it was a great idea but business-wise i don't think they'll change it like you said lakina when we were growing up it was one and then when um nbc picked up the package prior to 1990 91 season uh over the years they started to put two games on at christmas now this is whole uh big bonanza with five games going on all day and all night i think that they did that because uh especially on Christmas Eve, you know, we're all spending time with our loved ones, friends, and family. And yeah. you have to do that on Christmas Day. You can escape and watch some basketball. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's probably why that's that not going to change. Yeah, that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, a couple of quick, you know, tennis notes, both Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer have announced within the last week that they're taking the rest of the year off due to injuries. You know, Roger is, you know, taking, you know, had knee surgery. So he's taking the rest of the year off. And also, too, just this morning, Rafa Nadal has, you know, announced on his um, social media that he's taking the rest of the year off to recover from foot surgery. So no Rafa nor Fed at the U.S. Open. So that opens the door for Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, who's the rest, who's kind of going through his own rest break. So, you know, yeah, it, it might be the end of an era, but I, I hope, I hope they can both recover. But, you know, Fed's like 40 now. So, you know, that might might be it for him. You know, we'll see if Rafa can, can bounce back. But again, the, the U.S. Open might be there for the ticket for uh for Djokovic, uh, for Djokovic now that he's taking a couple of weeks off. You know, I know he's gonna play in one of the warm up mm-hmm. tournaments, U.S. Open tournaments next week, I believe he said. So we'll see. But could be at the end of an era in tennis. So I don't know. What what, what do you think, Sid? I know you. I know you watch a little bit of tennis too for those to tell those three top guys. I worry about the women's side uh, for, for the U.S. Open, uh, not to go back a little bit, but I remember when Venus and Serena were face off a, a couple of times during the final course. That's one of the reasons why the, the U.S. tennis is on in prime time. But uh, will Serena uh, co- uh, compete this year? Will Venus compete this year in this tournament? And what about some of the other top women in the tennis tournament? Will uh, Naomi Saka compete in it this year? I don't know, but hopefully, uh, uh, all of those superstars from the ladies' side would compete in it. That, let's be honest with you, not not to be uh, silly here, but that's the real reason why I watch tennis, especially the U.S. Open. I, be- I believe Rena's actually got a wild card, so because she has a couple of these, so I think she did have a mm-hmm. she did get a wild card for one of the U.S. Open, so which is which is great okay. to see. And you know, and it was it was actually nice to see um, Naomi back. I know she lost. You know, she beat Coco Golf in one of the, the warm-up tournament. I think it's in Montreal, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. That that tournament, that warm-up tournament for the U.S. Open. Uh, but the, I think she did lose the, the last round too. Oh, it's oh, Cincinnati, All right? In Cincinnati, that's uh, the Western and Southern Open. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, it's always a fun, you know, experience. The U.S. Open. I know that ESPN will have wall-to-wall coverage over in their network. So you know, we'll see if an American can kind of make a, you know, sort of try mm-hmm. to make a run, you know, that, you know, Tiafo, Jack Sox, you know, those guys, hopefully they can make a, 
go ahead to actually at least make things interesting for the men's side. But it looks like it's going to be Djokovic and TM. TM remembers as a defending champion. So for the men, so I'm sure he's going to want to. He's not going to want to relinquish that. So should be a fun one there in the you know, next week at the U.S. Open. A couple of weeks, I should, a couple of weeks I should say, but yeah, should be mm-hmm. a fun. Anything else that you know, comes to mind for you before we sign off? I'm just looking forward to this weekend series of going back to baseball for for our Chicago White Sox. Uh, as I said before, this is an important series. Not, it's not a do or die series, but right. it's a big series to uh, 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 carry the momentum from the Oakland series, uh, create more momentum and sustain that confidence that you can, as a White Sox, you can beat good teams. Tampa Bay, you, uh, you're three and a half or four games behind them um, in the win column as far as the best record in the American League. Tampa Bay has 75. The White Sox has 71. If you can take uh, two out of three, uh, I would prefer a sweep several shares as a fan, but realistically looking at this, if you can take two out of three, that'll be great before you head to Toronto for four big games next week. You know, Toronto is slipping, but they're still a dangerous team, especially offensively. So if you you take two out of three in Tampa, perhaps get a split in Toronto, You'll be happy as a size fan. And a quick note, I believe he'll return this weekend, I believe not early next week, uh, Jason Benetti, who called the yes. USA Baseball Games for NBC for, during the Olympics. He's the White Sox uh, lead TV an- announcer. He's supposed to be returning this weekend, if not early next week. Uh, he he was battling COVID. He's doing well. He, he put out a tweet early this week uh, telling fans and colleagues that he's doing fine. So we're looking forward to having Mr. Benetti back in the TV booth very soon, calling games with Steve Stone. I know that Mike uh, Monaco, who does uh, substitute work for Nessa and the AC Network, of course, Lane Casper, who's the radio voice for the White Sox, he's been doing TV, uh, filling in for Benetti over these last couple of weeks. So, um, so continue to recover. Get well soon, Mr. Benetti. We can't wait to see here and see you back in the TV booth. TV book soon. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Polanco's doing a, doing a great. Mike Monaco, Monaco, I should say. I think that's his name. He's doing, mm-hmm. he's been doing a great job. So, you know, he's one of the top young, you know, rising stars in the broadcast mm-hmm. industry. That's why, you know, I can see why the White Sox picked him to kind of you know, to sub in for for Jason. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's, it's going to be great to see Jason back though, too. Even though Mike has done a great mm-hmm. job. Uh, for me, um, look, I think I guess at the baseball, you know, football. I'll check out some of the games. I'll check out you know Bears and Bills tomorrow. You know, afternoon that was a noon game so should be fun it'll be broadcast locally if not on the nfl <laughs> network if you have it so that should be fun and also too if you guys like the little league world series that's going on right now as we speak remember this here for the first time since 1975 there will be no international teams because of pandemic these are all u.s teams mm-hmm. 16 teams from the u.s you know all across the country so they're represented so a nice opportunity for those teams you know to kind of who probably wouldn't have a chance it have been a regular year so if you, mm-hmm. you if you guys like the little league world series you know check it out yeah, Jackie Robinson's story was a nice story. Uh, it seems like it was a long time ago, especially how that story ended, but I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, yeah, I'll say. <laughs> well, the good news is Ed Howard's doing it. Yeah, I'll leave the drama part of it out of it, but I'm still proud of those young men and head coach Daryl Butler. I'm proud yeah. of those people. Yeah, and also Ed Howard, too, is doing pretty well down yes. there in the yes. minors for the Cubs. So hopefully we might we might see him up you know, with the big leagues probably. Maybe not maybe probably not this year coming up, you know, when the, the roster is banned, but definitely next mm-hmm. definitely next season we probably might be seeing him. So on that note, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. 
You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at Sports Zone Chicago, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can catch all uh, this show, Second City Sports, along with our other live show, shows, and download that Sports Zone Chicago app. You can catch. Uh, the replays in our live shows there as well. Also, our audio version of this podcast, Second City Sports, can be found at War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. Just type in that in your search engine boxes on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And you better follow War Media on our all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All right. I also want to thank you know, Randy Cross and Susie Hunter for joining us today. We'll definitely have the old, you can look, follow, you know, Sports Zone Chicago, both on Facebook and YouTube, you know, to get the replays of the shows mm-hmm. if you miss them. Why are you guys watching us live? Well, it's okay. Look, things happen. But, uh, but look, you can, you can watch the, also, you can watch, of course, you'll listen to the audio version on War Media. So we're still out there, guys. If you, you know, if you miss us watching us, if you can't watch us, if you have friends who can't watch us, you know, you can still listen to us on War Media. So have a great weekend, everyone. And, you know, you too, Armando. <laughs> you know, Armando told us, you know, Laura Jr., you know, feel free to, uh, to comment on our Facebook page anytime. Also on the YouTube channel as well. So for Sid, I'm Lakina. This is Second Sports here on Sports Channel Chicago, and we'll see you Monday. Bears and go Sox till Monday. Holla! Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe, everyone. If you're not gonna get the vaccine, wear your mask. <laughs>